Massive U.S. rally for Israel is held in Washington, D.C. Backlash is now coming to the pro-Palestinian protests. There will be no ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. And President Biden meets with the Chinese president in San Francisco. Messianic World Update begins now. Hello everyone, I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries. This is another edition of Messianic World Update. Today's date is Friday, November 17th of the year 2023. This week we saw a massive pro-Israel rally in Washington, D.C. It comes in response to a pro-Palestinian rally that took place in Washington, D.C. earlier. The original rally had 100,000 people come to it, but they now estimate that the pro-Israel rally had over 300,000 people that came to it. Clearly, it was a positive statement toward Israel on the part of all those that came to D.C. for the rally. That is not necessarily going to change, though. Half of our country seems to think they're anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish. I don't think that rally is going to change any of those opinions, but at least there was a positive statement made in support of Israel for many in the government and many citizens here in the United States. The families of the hostages, those that were taken by Hamas, I don't know if we really fully understand, but their lives have just been suspended in place. They cannot go forward with their lives until they find out the fate of their family members that were taken hostage this is part of the incredible dilemma and the emotional strain that's going on as this war continues into the weeks that has already happened and that it's still coming. There is one thing that is very clear, though. As a result of Israel and Hamas getting into it and fighting, there is a very definite anti-Jewish world out there, and it's even here in the United States. I think people are shocked to find out how many people are in support of Hamas and the Palestinians to go and do what they did on October 7th. They're just not dealing with the reality of what took place. I think the reason why we have so many people that are supporting that, particularly on campuses and universities where we have kids that are joining in in these pro-Hamas protests, is because they've been fed a whole bunch of propaganda from the Arab world, particularly the Palestinian world. And the big propaganda they've sold them is about how that Israel is occupying Palestinian lands. To make that statement is to ignore world history. It's to ignore recent history within my generation and all that's taken place with the Palestinians. The peace process, all that has been taking place since the nation of Israel became a modern state today. It is also willful ignorance on the part of these people to not want to know the truth. I mean, they could go out and get the truth, but instead they listen to their cell phone and the propaganda that comes across. They don't even follow the major national media or the international media to understand what's going on. And it is disturbing to find out that we have a younger generation and we have college professors, we have people who are supposed to be teaching them the truth, that instead all they are is 
passing out propaganda and hatred. And it's become very clear that we have a lot of people in this country that hate the Jews. And even the universities won't protect the Jewish students that are on them being threatened right now. I think this is the shocking part. Plus, in all the other nations of the world, Israel has now become the center of attention. And we have anti-Jewish thinking in those nations as well. As a result, Jews are being threatened all over the world again, just like it was in the 1930s before the Holocaust. So let's turn to what's going on in Gaza. Israel has now penetrated into Gaza City. They've gone to that very famous hospital, Al-Shifa, where it used to be an underground system, which was the headquarters of Hamas. They have broken into that. They have penetrated that far, uncovered the tunnels. They have found weapons in there. They found intelligence in there. And it's obvious that some of the hostages were taken there and kept captive there. It's hard for the world to understand this, but there's been so much rhetoric going on in the United Nations and other leaders of other nations about how the Israelis are committing war crimes, about how there are civilians that are being killed as collateral damage. And so it's a war crime. Israel is doing war crimes. Well, folks, it is a war crime for a terrorist group attack civilians. It is a war crime for them to take hostages and also build complexes and fortresses underneath hospitals because hospitals are considered off limits for military activity in any civilized war. But we're not dealing with civilized people. We're not dealing with the civilized war. We're dealing with a war of elimination. And Hamas wants to kill all the Jews and the Jews have no choice but to kill the Hamas people so that they can survive. So in the meantime, why all the rhetoric, of course, is about war crimes. And as they uncovered El Shifa Hospital and found and took pictures and found things there, of course, the international press said, well, we didn't see a lot. We saw that they had weapons there. We saw they stored ammo there. We saw that they had hostages there. We can see that the command headquarters were, but it's still not enough for them to be convinced that the Palestinians have committed war crimes. Oh, by the way, in the course of getting into that hospital, we found two hostages dead. So they did recover the bodies of some of the hostages, but they're still pursuing and looking for the hostages. They're also looking for the leader of Hamas, one of the founders, Yahya Sinwar, and he's still out making public statements to the effect. He wants a ceasefire. There's no question about it. So he can survive. Israel is not going to give him a ceasefire. They're going to pursue him until he is dead. Benny Gantz, who is in the war cabinet right now, made a public speech this week, and he said that Israel is committed to killing the Hamas leaders wherever they're at in the world. That means they don't have to be Hamas leaders in the Gaza Strip for Israel to go after them. That means they will go after them wherever in the world. So I would remind those Hamas leaders that are sitting in Qatar, in those luxury apartments and hotels, traveling around and so forth, you better hide in a hole because Israel is coming after you. There have been pauses in the fighting and Israel has agreed to those four hour pauses so that humanitarian aid can come into the Palestinian people across the Egyptian border. And for the first time, Israel has granted two fuel trucks to come in to provide fuel 
so they can run generators and help with the other hospitals and so forth there. Of course, Israel's concerned about that aid making into the hands of Hamas fighters, and they're trying to do everything they can to keep that from happening. What's being reported as the death count of the Palestinians, they're claiming there are over 11,000 Palestinians that have died in this campaign. Of course, they don't give the tally of how many of those are Hamas fighters, but I can assure you that Israel has been killing a lot of Hamas fighters and operatives in the land, and they are obviously mixed in with those numbers. But the world sees that number, and they said, oh, it's terrible. And as a result, even though Israel is militarily accomplishing their objectives, as they stated, they're losing the PR campaign. The world is full of pro-Palestinian and anti-Jewish people, and so they take every little news story and they twist it so that it sounds like it's against Israel and for the Palestinians. By the way, let me give you an example. This last week, I was driving my truck, and apparently one of the wheels on my truck picked up a nail, and I got a slow leak in it, and sure enough, it was not repairable. I had to buy a new tire. If the news of this gets out on the international press, of course, Israel will be at fault for me getting a nail on my tire. That's basically the way all news stories work internationally. No matter what happens that may be bad, it's Israel's fault. Now, fascinatingly enough, the EU foreign minister made a trip over to Israel, took a look at what was going on, and he said it's very true that Israel has suffered greatly. Their people have been attacked, they've been raped, they've been burned, they've, bad things have happened. But he cautioned Israel, don't act out of rage against the Palestinians. That was the key line that was reported in the press. He was telling Israel, don't act out of rage. That's an interesting word, rage, to be used. Right now, the word that I prefer to use is Israel is seeking justice. There's a big difference between the word justice and rage. And by the way, you can have righteous indignation, which could be interpreted as rage by some people. By the way, God has a lot of that for his enemies, righteous indignation. So that was like a moot statement that was meaningless. The war cabinet has been meeting in Israel. Just recently, they had to kind of tap down the ruling party and tell them to kind of be quiet about one particular subject, and that is the possibility that Israel could be using nukes if this thing gets bad enough. Israel is in a fight for its life. That has always been the weapon of last resort, and they don't want people talking about that in advance of it. I'll talk about that just a little bit further. But let me tell you about what's going on on the northern border. Much of what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is still happening. There's full combat going across the border. Nobody's crossed the border yet, but there are drones coming across. Israelis are being attacked. An anti-rocket missile was fired at some civilians, hit some vehicles, injured some civilians. So there's combat on the northern border. It's just that we don't have the big missile barrage yet. We don't have troops going across the border. Israel has upped the airstrikes in Lebanon, hitting Hezbollah command points and weapons storage areas and missile launch sites. And they just recently hit Damascus and hit some other Hezbollah units and facilities that were being supplied directly by Iran. And those airstrikes were just recently taking place. In the West Bank, 
The IDF has been continuing to arrest terrorists and take out the terrorist cells. This last week, seven terrorists were killed in and around Jinan, and an IDF soldier was killed in the action. Five of them were wounded. That's an ongoing daily combat zone in the West Bank. There's still clashes with the settlers, but let me comment on that for a moment. As I have encouraged you to do, to contact serveisrael.com. This is a site where you can donate to help the settlers that have no protection from the IDF, from the Palestinians, and to help give them uh, bulletproof vests and helmets and flashlights and drones and other equipment they need for defensive purposes for them to defend themselves against the Palestinians that may be coming to the settlements. Now, these interesting clashes with the settlers, this is not a band of settlers that are going off into Palestinian towns and communities and attacking Palestinians. These are clashes that happen when Palestinians go to the settlements and try to harass and harm the settlers. That's the settler clashes that you hear about that the president is so concerned about in the U.S. I, for the life of me, I don't understand him. Let's talk about Iran. They are attacking U.S. forces in Syria and Iraq. We've heard our defense minister talking about retaliatory strikes to send a message to Iran, please don't do that. And he's been very polite with Iran, please, please don't attack our forces. We're gonna do whatever we can to protect them. In the meantime, U.S. forces are ducking and covering when the attacks come in. However, as we shared with you last week, the U.S. has been building up its forces in the region, B-1 bombers. Ohio-class submarines, Air Force squadrons moving in, Marine MEU units moving into the area and so forth. A great show of force. There's no question that the United States is holding four aces in their poker hand and Iran cannot match the hand. Only here's the problem. It appears to be at this point a pure U.S. bluff. They're bluffing. The, Iran knows the U.S. is not going to attack Iran. So I don't care how many weapons forces that you have over in that region. If you're not going to use them, it's like you got four aces in your hand, you're never going to play the cards. So what good is it to have a great poker hand if you're never going to play the cards? That's the problem that I have with the U.S. policy on dealing with Iran. Here just recently this last week, the Hamas leader, was visiting with Khomeini in Iran. And Iran very clearly said, hey, we're not going to directly get involved with Israel in your battle. We're gonna support you fully, Hamas, but we're not going to directly get involved with the battle that you're having with Israel at the moment. And then he went on to say, we will get involved for other reasons. Now, what other reasons are those? We're not quite sure exactly what that will be, However, Iran still is motivated to do this. Can I share with you my rationale as to why I think Iran and Hezbollah has not stepped in yet, why they haven't opened up yet? I think there's a possibility that Israel secretly sent a message to Khomeini and said that if you flinch in this war and you threaten Israel while we're fighting the Hamas, that we will definitely use nukes on you. Now, I don't know that for sure. I'm speculating, but let me tell you what contributes to my speculation. 
the foreign leaders of Hezbollah and Iran have been going around saying, Israel is threatening us with nuclear weapons. Iran has been very slow to really respond directly to Israel as a result. And I think the U.S. is echoing what maybe the speculation is. I think the U.S. has said, yeah, you really have upset Israel this time. They are willing to use nuclear weapons this time. However, with all of that said, I don't think that's going to keep Iran out of this war. I think a regional war is still coming. I think the volatility of the situation with Hamas is very engaging. It may well take Israel a deal a whole year with Hamas. This is a very difficult struggle for them to complete. And in fact, even the U.S. is saying, I'm not sure you can really take them all out. And so they don't think it's really an achievable military goal. And that means this thing will continue to go on quite a bit. And we'll just have to see how it all pans out. I think Iran and Hezbollah will get involved. It's just a matter of time. We continue to watch for that. Let's shift gears. President Biden in San Francisco met with the Chinese leader, President Xi, in San Francisco. If you remember, the California governor, Governor Newsom, made a special trip over to Israel, met with the President Xi, glad-handed with him, looked like he did in a kind of an advanced trip, invited President Xi to come to San Francisco, and you've heard all the news reports as a result of the Chinese leader accepting the invitation. Well, that was an opportunity for President Biden to come out and meet him as well. Also, praise God, San Francisco decided to actually clean the streets up a little bit. So it's a, a nicer, more sanitary place to be. So in any case, they have come and we had this negotiation between President Xi and his representatives on one side of the table. Here's President Biden and his representatives on one side of the table. And thus, let's have a discussion. According to the reports, out of the discussion they had, about 75% of the time was President Xi telling President Biden how things are going to be. And the other 25% was with Biden speaking platitudes and making a few simple requests. Now, as a result of the meeting, Chinese media is praising China on a great success, and we have a new bilateral understanding and with great U.S. cooperation. And the liberals here in, the, in this country, along with uh, PBS, the liberal media source, they're all talking about, hey, a new level of cooperation between the U.S. and China, like this maybe has averted a potential war and the direction and the path that we were on. I would like to remind everybody that the allegations about President Biden taking bribes that the sources of some of that bribe money was China, which means that if he was bribed by China, he's bought and paid for, and he's gonna do whatever the Chinese tell him to do. And by the way, this meeting looks pretty clear, like China told the president how things are gonna be. And somehow they walked away with them heralding it. It was a great meeting and a lot was accomplished. But back here in the United States, press has been asking, quite, well, what did you discuss? What did you talk about? And there's very little minor things that were discussed that had to be in the U.S. interest. And it was, there was no firm commitment given by anything by the Chinese. We're in trouble, folks. This country is in trouble. Oh, by the way, you're going to love this part. President Biden was asked here just recently, about the prospects of another 
Democratic president who that could be. And so he said, as a result of these recent events, he said, you know, Gavin Newsom could step in and do his job next. And that sounds like there was a lot of cooperation going on between Gavin Newsom and President Biden about setting up the Chinese meeting. And Biden, in exchange, has said, we'll set up the, maybe Gavin Newsom is going to be the Democratic candidate vying for president in the next election. Don't be shocked and don't be surprised. All right, folks, that is our report for this week. Please pray for Israel. Pray for the hostages to be released. And remember, the reason why we're in this problem is because the world has decided to forget God. And as a result, they can't tell the difference between right and wrong, bitter and sweet, and everything is upside down when it comes to common sense and being reasonable. God help us. Shabbat shalom.